Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we talk to an ex-racing greyhound adopter. You know, there's so many little old ladies around here with excitable terriers that run rings around them, and they'd actually be a lot better off with a greyhound. Plus, we have the Dogcast Radio News, and we find out what the Dogcast crew have been up to lately. But before all that, we talk to Judy Fredono about her amazing dog, Ricochet. I became aware of Ricochet through one of her videos on YouTube, showing the inspiration she provides for many people with disabilities. To tell her story from the start, I asked Judy how Ricochet came to be with her in the first place. Well, I have a program called Puppy Prodigies, which is a non-profit 501c3 organization that trains service dogs for people with disabilities. So I had a litter of puppies at my home that were born at my home that belonged to another a breeder, but they were born here. So Ricochet took her first breath in my hands when oh. she was born. So I had the puppies from from the moment, well, actually from before they were born. So had done different exercises. And in the one video, you see me working with her when she's very young. And that's pretty much the program is working with puppies in um, during the time when their brain is still developing. So whether they're in a shelter environment or if they're in a service dog environment or whatever it may be, it's to be able to stimulate those brain neurons as they're developing so that they don't die off. And then you have a puppy that's really bright and um, we expose them to many different things so they're not fearful when they grow older. Um, like some dogs may have issues with being touched or body sensitivity. So we work on all those kinds of things as the brain is developing. So that's where Ricochet was born into that program with the intention of being a service dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that, that didn't happen, did it? It didn't. She um, was a brilliant, brilliant little puppy. And from the videos, you can see that she's doing things before her eyes are even open, where she's kind of turning in a circle and crawling up onto a platform. And that it's luring. I have a little bit of goat's milk on my finger. And so she's learning at that stage. And she was a very bright puppy. And um, was doing all kinds of things when she was eight weeks old, ten weeks old, and so forth. And um, she continued um, with her training. And somewhere around 16 weeks of age, she started to lose interest in training. Hmm. So we kind of struggled for a long period of time trying to motivate her again and figure out what it would take to get her excited to learn because I saw from when she was young what she was capable of. And then probably when she was about nine months old, she started to show an interest in chasing birds. Hmm. So for a service dog, they, they're not allowed to do that because it could be dangerous if they were working with their person and saw a bird or a squirrel or whatever it may be, and they would want to take off and chase after it. So we worked on self-control quite a bit, and she did really well. So she she's able to sit in front of a bird and do nothing, besides look at it, um, but I couldn't guarantee that that instinct wouldn't come out someday. And even if it happened one time, it would be too much, too, one time too many. Yeah. So I had to release her from that role of service dog because I just couldn't guarantee that it wouldn't come up someday that she'd see a bird and want to chase it while she was attached to a wheelchair or something. Yeah, 
So we had to release her from that role. Yeah. I guess it's one of those times where, you know, as you say, if if it's something that you can um, maybe be aware of ahead of time and sort of, you know, tell the dog, but when it's an assistance dog, it's got to be, you know, you can't have that situation at all, can you? No, you can't. It's if it's too risky for the person. Mm. So I have another dog that's a service dog, um, and she could care less about prey. She would never chase anything, and so th- that's more the temperament that you want is a dog that really cares more about the person, enjoys working, wants to work, and doesn't care really what's going around in its environment. Yeah, they're more focused on the person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so having decided that that wasn't the path that Ricochet was going to take. Um, How did you move forward with her? Well, because she was born to be a service dog, and that was the intention, and I don't believe in breeding just for the heck of breeding, I wanted her to still do something meaningful with her life, and um, I looked at what could she do, because we were still struggling with her, not being that motivated to do anything much else. But... Well, when she was a young puppy, we did a lot of balance activities and exercises, and one of them was her in a kiddie pool climbing up onto a boogie board, and <laughs> she had really good balance. And we kind of did some training, you know, surfboard training and things like that, and she was really good at it. And we um, entered her into a contest. Um, the Pre and Incredible Dog Challenge was the first one that she entered, and she did really well. She came in third place, and at that that day on the beach, I was like, wow, she is good at something here, surfing. So mm-hmm. how could we make surfing meaningful in her life if that's what she likes to do? So I knew of an, uh, another service dog organization that we work with, Positive Teens, and they were in the process of placing one of their service dogs with a, um, at that time, 14-year-old boy, and he was a surfer. So when I heard about that, I was like, well, he sounds like a good person for Ricochet, to get involved with and maybe she could do some fundraising for his therapy because he he's in rehab three days a week. Hmm. There's a different his therapy. So I called his mom and asked if she would be interested if we did a fundraiser and she said that would be great because it costs a lot of money to have that therapy three times a week. So that's what we decided to do a fundraiser for Patrick and um the plan was to go to the beach and kind of do a little videotape of Ricochet surfing on her surfboard and Patrick surfing on his surfboard and kind of use that as a promotional video for our fundraiser. So we went to the beach to do that, and they rode several waves together. And at one point, they both rode their boards into shore, and as they reached the beach, Ricochet jumped off of her surfboard and jumped onto Patrick. <laughs> so it was like she was trying to tell us, I want to surf with him. Yeah. So we were like, okay, do you want to give it a shot, Patrick? And he's like, yeah, why not? He's a young kid. And for him, it was something exciting to do. And we tried it. And she surfed with him like she'd been surfing with him forever. Wow. And it was her idea. And she's been doing it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I was going to ask you, because I think, you know, you know, some people, um, when you see an animal, you know, a dog on a surfboard, you do kind of think, did the dog decide to get on the surfboard? You know, and to an extent, you can see from body language, but you can also, you know, it's not going to stay on the surfboard if it really doesn't like it. So I was going to say, how how do you how did it come about? Because it is amazing. But obviously, as you say, it's her... She really wants to be on the board, doesn't she? 
She does, and especially if it's if it's Patrick, she always wants to be on the board with him. <laughs> and she has since surfed with other people with disabilities and special needs kids, so it's not just Patrick anymore. And she really seems to enjoy being on the surfboard with these kids or working with these kids on the beach or whatever it may be. So it's kind of her little niche is that's what she wants to do with her life is surfing related and surfing with kids that have disabilities. So she really is still providing a service to people with disabilities. It's just in a very different way than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible story. And it must have, I mean, it's, it's so moving. I've watched so many of your videos through tears, you know. I never quite get to the end with clear <laughs> eyes. So um, I, they're well worth having a look at all your videos. Um, but it must make such a difference to the people that she's on the board with. It must inspire them as well. I think it's, you know, it inspires everyone. It inspires us, it inspires them, it inspires people around us. I think it's just one of those things of, you know, just like people with Patrick or little Ian who's got a brain injury that she surfs with, it's like all of us, we focus on what we can do. So with Ricochet, when I decided she couldn't be a service dog and turned it into what can she do, and silly enough, it was surfing, but that's what she can do, and that was the focus. And, you know, Patrick and all the others that surf that have disabilities, they focus on what they can do. Ricochet is a spokes dog for um, Amp Surf, which is an organization that takes adaptive surfers, um, disabled surfers out to, and, to surf. And they basically say, you surf the best that you can. It's not surfing the best as anyone can, but what the best for yourself. So if you have to lay down or if they have to kneel or whatever they have to do to get out there and get on a board and feel the thrill of, of surfing, and everybody always says the surfer having the most fun is the one with the biggest smile. So yeah. it really, I think, inspires everyone. And it's just an all-around amazing feeling of camaraderie and connectedness. And it's just so joyous to be in, around these people. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how much money she's raised? Um, it's closing in on $70,000, um, and it, it, it increases all the time because she's always got some fundraiser going. So it's, it's somewhere around, it's over $69,000 now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's only been over a period of 15 months, so it's not that long of a period of time. And it's just, people are so supportive of her efforts. And, you know, the other day, um, there was an email, kind of not a, a not very nice email, that came through about how dogs were worthless. Hmm. And it, I posted it on Ricochet's Facebook page, just saying, "Hey, look at this email we got." And of course, it generated a lot of comments hmm. and emotion, and people were upset by it. And then I, I looked at how many people were responding and how many people were just emotional and upset about it. And I was like, you know, let's turn this into a positive. Yeah, this guy was a jerk. But instead of us being angry with him, let's turn it into something positive. And let's, if if you feel upset right now, make a donation to Ricochet's fundraiser for breast cancer. And I can't tell you how many people made donations to make mm. themselves feel better because they were so upset about this guy 
where the focus came off of the negativity of this man and went positive to the women with breast cancer. And through that email, $650 was raised right there, you know, in a matter of a half an hour or something. So it's just, I think people want to feel good. They want to be able to turn that negative into something positive, and we don't always know how to do it. Yeah. And yeah. Ricochet just has a way about bringing out the positive and helping us learn and try to change our life to be that way. And she's helped me tremendously because I was not always a positive person. People will look at me now and think I am, but I was not. So she has helped me tremendously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another story that sort of illustrates the... Ricochet was nominated um, for... USA Today's Most Heroic Dog of 2010. Um, and I, I got the, the, you know, you sent me an email to tell me about this and sort of, you know, I was saying to people, go and vote. But very quickly, the story changed there, didn't it? Can, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, we were, um, Ricochet was nominated with four other dogs. And the, our first reaction was, wow, what an honor. I had no idea that she was even going to be nominated. And sent out an email to say to everybody, hey, Ricochet was nominated and um, vote for her. And then a couple of days into it, I started feeling really uncomfortable with asking people to vote for her because there was another dog that was nominated named Target. And Target had a has a horrendous story. She is a dog that saved many soldier lives in um, Afghanistan because there was a, a bomber that came into the camp and she alerted and uh, her and I think two other dogs attacked this guy and um, saved the lives of all these people, all these servicemen in Afghanistan. Believe it or not, she survived. And through all that, she was adopted by one of the soldiers and brought home to Arizona and became their pet. And she was maybe here a couple months, and one day she got out of the yard, and the next thing they knew, she was in a shelter. And by the time that they were able to go get her on Monday morning, they got there and found out that she had been euthanized. Mm -hmm. So it was just a really horrific story. And so she was one of the nominees. Um, And, you know, people would go to vote, and I could see that they were torn, like, well, we really support Ricochet, but, oh, we feel so bad for this other dog. And, and I didn't want that. I don't want people coming back to her page feeling bad. Yeah. So I um, contacted one of the other nominees that is a fan on Ricochet's page, and we knew each other just through Facebook. And and I just kind of said to her, too, I feel really awkward with this. And her dog, Sparkles, the fire safety dog, was also a nominee and I just like it just feels so uncomfortable so we just talking with each other through email and I said you know would you be up for getting together and trying to turn our voice our votes into voices for Target and let's really make this about Target because really Target will win this anyway and she should and the two of us between Sparkles and Ricochet would be kind of racing for second place and I just felt like this isn't about a contest. This is about this amazing dog that mm-hmm. did an amazing thing and had a, a horrible thing happen. And I just didn't want to be trivial about a contest. So 
um, I asked, would you be interested in doing a fundraiser with us and let's raise money for Target and for her cause and let's ask people to vote for her instead of our dogs. And we both felt so much better once we decided that that's what we were going to do. And we were very excited about getting the word out there and asking people to don't vote for us, vote for Target. And not only that, make a donation. And the family had started um, an organization called Target's Bunker. And it's just in its infancy stages right now. But um, because we're a nonprofit, so we, we, we're taking the donations for them right now until they get set up and get further along into the process. But through that, um, and in fact, USA Today ended the contest earlier because we said, okay, well, Target's our hero anyway, so that's a done deal. And we just continued fundraising, and um, through that, $5,000 was raised. Yeah. So, you know, it was it started out as a contest, but it turned into something much, much bigger and much more important. And we were just thrilled to be able to raise awareness for something that is so meaningful and to help the family and, you know, what they're going through with the loss of their dog. And she'll live on in the memory of everyone, and she really is, without question, the hero. Yeah. As I say, you, you and Ricochet are amazing. I, I love, you know, when the notification comes through that there's a new video and, and or a new, you know, information about Ricochet. Um, for people who haven't seen any of your videos or for people that have and want to find out more, um, where can they see them um, on the Internet? Well, they can go on Ricochet's website, which is um, surfdogricochet.com. And there's a video page, so they can click on the video page. And there's just lots and lots of videos on there. Or if they go on um, YouTube and just type in Surf Dog Ricochet, videos will come up there as well. Yeah, yeah. And then on Facebook, there's, there's, we have some, a few videos on Facebook that aren't on YouTube. But on her Facebook page, there's videos as well and lots of pictures and lots of fans and things like that. And an incredibly, incredibly supportive community of fans on Facebook. We are so blessed to have the support of our Facebook fans. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, sometimes life doesn't turn out how you expect and hope it's going to, which was the case with Ricochet, but sometimes it's so much for the best, isn't it? It really is, and, and something I've learned because I've struggled through my life with different things and losses and hardship and and you know, and I think most of us, we grow up thinking we need a career, we need to be married, we need this, we need that. We're trying to control everything. But I found now that once I let go and that let life happen, it's amazing what you're given and what it turns out to be. Because with Ricochet, people will say to me, what are you doing next? And I never have an answer because it's not my journey. It's Ricochet's journey. And I'm just facilitating it. So she tells me when there's something that we need to do next. Mm. And I just let it happen. And it just, it turns, it, I mean, it's more amazing than I can even comprehend when you just let it be and just, and just live. Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't ask you what, what, what is next for Ricochet then. I'll just say, you know, I hope you have... As amazing a 2011 as, you know, you've been having a 2010 and 2009 with your amazing dog. Thank you. We have links to Ricochet's website, and if you haven't seen any of her videos, do go and look them up on YouTube, because they're well worth a watch.
Sometimes a dog with an amazing ability finds a person who will allow and encourage that ability to make a difference in the world. That's certainly the case with Ricochet and Judy, and I hope they go on making a difference for many years to come. The typical working life of an assistance dog is usually eight to ten years, depending on the owner's needs and preferences. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate. And I'm Nick. We start with the news that the American family has gone to the dogs. Well, that's according to a survey commissioned by Milo's Kitchen, who found that 81% of American dog owners consider their dog to be part of the family, just as much as their human relatives. In fact, over half of those with a dog consider themselves to be dog parents, rather than dog owners, with 10% even celebrating Mother's Day and Father's Day with their dog. Furthermore, nearly 72% of dog owners with children apply the same disciplinary standards to their dogs as they do to their kids. And it's not just in the USA that dogs have got it good. In the UK, the number of households with dogs has overtaken the number with cats. The survey by Mintel also found that small dogs are rising in popularity. Apparently, celebrities being seen out and about with their small dogs have led people to follow suit as well as the fact that smaller dogs cost less to feed and take up less space in the house. However, despite the difficult financial climate, both dogs and cats are being pampered, not always with healthy results, with a third of dogs and a quarter of cats being overweight. And talking of spending money, someone recently splashed out nearly $3 million at Sotheby's in New York on a piece of dog-related space race history. The Soviet capsule, Vostok 3 Ka2, carried a dog and a mannequin into space in 1961, 20 days before the first manned flight. As the capsule came back to Earth, the dog was ejected, and unbelievably, she parachuted to safety. Researchers at the University of Missouri believe both man and animal will benefit from discoveries made recently. While researching for her thesis, Fabiana Farias found a build-up of material in a dog's brain and eye cells lead to the onset of NCL, which causes many symptoms including dementia, impaired visual behaviour, loss of coordination and unwarranted aggression. By analysing DNA samples of dogs suffering from NCL, researchers identified a specific gene which causes it. The gene mutation found in dogs is also found in humans, where it causes an hereditary form of Parkinson's disease. It is hoped that therapies can be developed to treat both dogs and people by identifying those with the gene mutation and treating them before they start to show symptoms. Meanwhile, in Devon, in the UK, a treatment used by a vet to save a dog's life could help skin cancer in humans. German shepherd Brinley has a malignant tumour in his mouth. But luckily for him, his vet, Tom Cave, is only one of two vets in the UK allowed to trial the drug Oncept. The drug contains a DNA gene, which targets a protein found in cancerous melanoma cells. The treatment has been likened to using cowpox to vaccinate against smallpox. And although it is not currently licensed for human use, the hope is that this will be developed soon. And finally, we know that the dog is man's best friend, but did you know that they are friendliest when we are stressed? 
Well, according to research at the University of Vienna, this is the case. They gave dog owners a task to do, then let their dog into the room. And they found the more anxious the owner was, the more time their dog spent with them. So, not only are our dogs great at calming us down, they know exactly when we need them most. And that's all from us on the Dogcast Radio News Desk. Goodbye. In 1014 AD, English forest laws stated that only noblemen could own and hunt with greyhounds. There are lots of myths and misunderstandings about greyhounds. So to get to the bottom of it all, in what turned out to be a very humorous interview, I spoke to Margot Williams, who adopted ex-racing greyhound Queenie around two years ago. But how old was she when she came into Margot's life? She was just... Three. It's just before her third birthday, in fact. So she only raced for a year. Oh, right. Mm. We don't really know why she was retired. Mm. She's got several sort of racing scars, you know, where, where she's been, had nicks and scars and things, but nothing that seems to affect her badly. Um, she raced ten times. Mm. She won twice and was placed twice, right. which... A random woman I met in the park said it was quite a good record. So, so we don't really know why she was retired, but for whatever reason, they decided they weren't going to go on with her. Yeah, yeah. So how, how did she come to you? Did she go into, um, you know, a rescue? She went to, she was from Hall Green. She went to Hall Green Retired Greyhound Trust. I, um, what happened was, my mother has always wanted a dog. Hmm. Never had one. Um... I moved back here about five years ago with my cat, Mm. and um, cat eventually was overtaken by old age, and I thought, well, if mother's ever going to get her dog, now's the time to do it. So I had sort of a friend of mine, sister of a friend, had got one of these greyhounds, and it seemed so sweet. Mm. And I started looking into various breeds with a view to sort of having one in the home. My mother's nearly 80. Um... And, you know, what would be appropriate and stuff. And I kept coming back to greyhounds because they're quiet. They don't yap. They don't jump about. They they sleep nearly 18 hours a day. <laughs> and, you know, they don't actually require a great deal of exercise, which is surprising, but very true. And all these things. So we we just decided to go to go for the greyhound. And um, I looked online, and there's two places. There's one at Perry Bar, and there's one at Hall Green. And we rang up and, and just sort of turned up, made an appointment and turned up to view some hounds. Mm. And they, it's very funny. I mean, they don't sort of let you into the back. There's this sort of caravan and it's it's just like a bit of an old farm and uh, it's all a bit ad hoc and sort of random strangers come up to walk the greyhounds and this sort of thing. And... Um, you know, they sort of parade greyhounds out for you to look at. Mm. And I was very definite that I wanted a bitch. Um, and they brought, first of all, this, this poor old dog, and he was a great big thing, and he was terribly gloomy. And I was like, no, we don't really want him. <laughs> I'm feeling quite bad about it. Mm. And then the, there's all this sort of chatter amongst the people who help out. And somebody said, well, how about Pearl? So the next thing is they brought out Queenie, who was then called Pearl, who has um, Frisian cow markings? She's black and white splodges. Mm. And I said to mother, "Oh, you don't want a, you don't want an animal with white fur because it comes off all over the furniture." Yes. I had a cat, and, and, but 
by this time it was too late because Queenie had trotted over and buried her nose in my mother's armpit. Oh, bless, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you know, it was game over, really. Yeah. Um, so we took Queenie for a walk and we sort of, you know, said, yes, we'll have her and then you have to book when you'll come and, you know, because they have to sort of do the paperwork. So you make arrangements and then they come and check out your house and make sure you're sort of greyhound friendly and whatnot. So so the funny woman from the place came over and had a look round and said, yes, yes, this will be fine. And um, and we went back to fetch. I was then away, I think. And then, so we went back to fetch three weeks later. Yeah. To find yeah. another dotted line. Oh, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And how did she settle in? Because I know a lot of people sort of say, when they're an ex-racer, they don't even know what a toy is. No, she didn't. I think... Um, I think we were very fortunate in that she was, they say that, you know, they might not be indoors house trained and they might not even recognize stairs and all these sort of things. She has, barring accidents, she's been house clean. Mm. Um, so right from, right from the word go, she knew that she had to wait till she was outside for that sort of thing. Mm. Um, she did know what stairs were and was quite easily quite able, easily able to climb up and down the stairs which we had to teach her not to do which she has <laughs> got the point now it was very funny actually the first night we had it she was sort of wandering around like a little lost soul and I went in the shower and left the bathroom door open and at some point in mid-shower this nose appeared around the curtain <laughs> which was very cute but God I was so confused obviously oh bless um, <laughs> And the other thing that was quite heartbreaking was every time she caught sight of her reflection, she sort of wickered because she was obviously lonely for other greyhounds, oh. and we felt really bad about that. But that's gone now. I mean, yeah. that's that's all gone. And um, it took us at least six months, I think, for all of us to get used to each other. Mm. I mean, neither mother or nor I had ever had a dog before, so it was a new experience from our point of view and clearly you know it was a new experience for Queenie being a domestic animal but mm. it took it took at least six months for us all to be comfortable with each other and probably by the end of a year everything could settle down quite nicely um, but they're very phlegmatic animals I mean they're never particularly exuberant yes yeah which is a real misconception about them isn't it yeah 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 I mean she's really laid back and uh, she will She'll express her pleasure when you come down first thing in the morning and, and when you come in from out, when you've been out, when you come in from work, that sort of thing. Mm. But she barely ever barks. But, but doesn't make much noise at all, really. She makes sort of little wickering noises. Yeah. Um, and once we were in the park and she saw a hedgehog and she made this quite bizarre baying noise, mm. which was, you know, like a hound in whatever they call it, when, a hound, when hounds are following the hunt sort of thing. Oh, yes. It was really bizarre, really strange noise, but, but that, that's the only time I've ever known her do that. Oh. And she's quite a wimp, you know, if she gets her foot caught in something, she'll <laughs> whine. If she, if she gets her foot looped over her lead when you're walking, she'll sort of whine at you. Oh. And, uh, but no, she doesn't make much noise. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the other problems you can have with an ex-racer is sort of that... That chasing, that prey instinct is, you know, mm. so ingrained. So have you had any issues with that at all? Well, we, when, they first give, when they first 
hand your dog over, they, one of the things that comes with is a muzzle. Mm-hmm. And they recommend you keep the muzzle on when you're out, at least for the first few weeks, really, until you get to know your dog. Um, she's such a soppy thing. We very soon stopped using that. Because I think the main concern was whether she'd go for somebody's Yorkie. Yes, you know? yeah. But much to my... I'm so impressed. I mean, she's not a clever dog. She has no reasoning skills whatsoever. <laughs> But she has a very good memory, and mm. she will always recognize another dog, whether it's a Chihuahua or a Great Dane or whatever it is, which I find is extraordinary because they don't look anything like each other. Absolutely. But even with very small dogs, she's fine, mm. um, and she'll sort of greet them as a dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she does like, she does get very interested and would love to chase a cat. Yeah. yeah. Or a squirrel, mm. or indeed a hedgehog, anything like that. Mm. Um and you have to keep a hold of her. And, you know, she will... It's a habit we've been trying to break her of, and she has been getting better. Mm. But, yes, I mean, originally, funnily enough, we were just talking about this. Um, we were at my brother's, where she's not actually a welcome guest because my sister-in-law's allergic. But I, I just went to pick my, my mother up after Christmas and then took the dog with me because we were going to have a quick turnaround. And she saw the rabbit in its hutch. <laughs> And even in its hutch, you know, she sort of made a bolt for it and I had to kind of hang on to it. But, I mean, we walk in the park regularly and we see rabbits and she, she will strain at the leash and, and sort of stare at them. But you know, I haven't had too much trouble, no. but you do have to sort of be in control. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is I haven't managed to train her to go off the lead at all. Right. Because um, she just runs and runs and runs and doesn't come back. Yeah. And I had, I took her to see a friend in London and we went for a walk on Hackney Marshes. And she said, oh, let her off, let her off, she'll be fine. So we let her off and she ran around and ran around and ran around. I think because it was somewhere unfamiliar, eventually she came back. (laughs) Yeah. You know, not for want of our shouting quite a bit, but then I tried the same experiment in a certain park, which of course she's very familiar with. Mm. Um. And she just ran off and disappeared, and this is last mm. winter, and it was cold, and it was getting dark, and I was beside myself, and I, you know, wandered around for about three hours calling, oh, and ca- catching the occasional glimpse, and of course she's got a winter coat on and all the rest of it, and eventually it got dark, and I was sort of gave up and thought, you know, I don't know what I can do. Mm. So I walked back thinking some poor jogger's going to stumble over this little frozen body in the morning. Oh. And um, was just crossing over the main road that's, that's between us and the park. And I'd sort of crossed across and gone down the alleyway. And there was all this honking. So I sort of went back out only to find Queenie had been following me. Oh, bless. But she had, yeah, so she was there. She's yes. obviously been tagging me the whole time. Oh, little monkey. I know. And, um, but, of course, she's got no road sense at all. So she was sort of wandering across the road and all the cars were honking. And mm. I still couldn't get She followed me all the way to the house, but she wouldn't let me get close. She's a right little madam. <laughs> so she doesn't get off the lead, I'm afraid. Mm. I've got one of those extendable ones, which yeah. is appropriate yeah. in some places, but by no means all. Um, Is she food motivated? Very little, actually. Yeah. See, that's a difficulty. I've I've got a Labrador. Mm. And, um, I mean, you know, Labrador's a a completely different kettle of fish, but... Oh, a clever dog. Well, well, they can be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he's a sucker for cheese. And so if Ah. you use cheese, you can pretty much train him. 
you know, mm. what you want to do. But if they're not food motivated, because we've also got um, a Bichon Frise, like a little, if you imagine... Like oh, a little, cute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. She, she, again, very different. She knows her own mind, thank you very much, and she'll do what she wants mm. to do, you know. Um, and she loves human food but she's not that keen on dog food so again you know, <laughs> that's very true of queenie too yes God. anything that we're eating yeah. but she wasn't she doesn't particularly beg she, she's not bad like that no she's not especially food motivated i registered up for um there was there are there's somebody here i don't know who they are they run dog training classes hmm. in a local field and i signed up for them the year we got her so that would be back end of 2009, I suppose. Mm. Um, and we went along to a few of these classes. And, you know, you're supposed to have a treat in your hand all the time. And I should do something. And I sort of shove this thing under her nose. And more often than not, she'd just knock it on the ground. Yeah. So that didn't yeah. work at all. Oh. You have to try but, I mean, and, that, like a tug toy or, you know, the little cuddly toys that they can yeah. make a noise. And they can, you know, maybe if she, I mean... Oh, she can't stand squeaky toys. They really oh, freak yes. her out. <laughs> Funny what you said about toys. I mean, we, we bought toys for her, and for a long time she didn't know what they were. She just sort of stepped over them and stared at us in amazement. Mm. And then at some point she got the idea that these things were hers, and she's quite possessive about them now. Mm. She, what started it off, my mother knits a lot, mm. and Queenie was sitting in the room where she knits, and when she sort of went out and left the knitting, she came back and Queenie was playing with the wool. Oh. So she thought, ah, she likes wool. So she knitted this, this, basically it's a ball, but it's a funny shape. But anyway, she knitted this thing for her and Queenie very much took to this and sort of carried it around with her quite a lot. Mm. Um, and then we introduced a sort of, you know, 99p store stuffed toy and that went down well. And then she's got a couple of, she didn't, she didn't know what nylon bones were for. Mm. And then I took her and visiting another friend who got a dog, and this dog had a nylon bone and was chomping away, and she got the idea then. <laughs> so, you know, little by little, those things have come in. But, but um, no, she didn't get the toy thing at all at first. Yeah, yeah. And she won't fetch a ball. Mm. She's not got a clue. <laughs> if I throw something in the garden, she'll chase it, but then mm. when it stops, she'll sort of stop and look at me as if to say, well, it stopped. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's that's years and years of breeding, isn't it? You chase it, but yeah. you don't have to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I suppose if you're used to something automated that goes around in circles on its own indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. The idea that the toy stops dead is, is a bit bizarre. Oh. We took we took her to Cornwall last year, and it was funny. We you know we sort of said, right, let's 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 fire a dog friendly cottage. We'll go and we'll take the dog, and we went, and she sulked the whole time. Oh, She's a real homebody. She didn't like the fact that it was unfamiliar. Oh dear! She was really happy when we when we brought her back. Oh, do you know they're all funny? Know, they're funny. all yeah, they're all different. My mum had a German Shepherd. Mm. Um, and he just, if you took him somewhere else, he'd be just like pacing and sitting mm. by the door going, take me home, take me home. Um, yeah. Yeah, whereas our lab, well, and the Bichon, actually, both of ours, you know, we've taken them off to, in our caravan, to a static caravan, to a cottage. And they are very much, as long as my people are here, that's fine. You know, I'm home. Well, that was kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. It was really, yeah. I was really surprised by the response. We had to work really hard to get her to eat, you know. Mm. She's really strange. So we oh. said, right, next time. You're going to the kennels, and we're yes. going to a hotel. Thank you very much. But well, I mean, what I would say, what I would say, Julie, is, mm. is people should consider it. 
and they should consider it if they I mean we've got a big house but she doesn't take up much room yeah so people with small houses should consider it and people who want a placid dog should consider it because you would think you know there's so many little old ladies around here with excitable terriers that run rings around them Mm. and they'd actually be a lot better off with a gray with a greyhound yeah Definitely. So, you know, I, I would definitely say to encourage people to think about it because it's, it's certainly worth it. Yeah, yeah. We're thrilled with it, really. Yeah. It, it's funny because so many greyhound, greyhound owners say to me, you know, oh, you, you don't know where you've, you've got them. They're, they, you know, you, you sort of that one burst of energy and then they're just a, a couch potato Ooh. the rest of the day, you know, and it's... Uh, well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, Mother was actually convinced there was something wrong with her for the first <laughs> few weeks. It's like, no, the book says up to 18 hours a day sleep. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like Queenie has fallen on her feet with Margot and her mum, and I only wish the same could happen for the many ex-racers still left in rescues. We have photos of Queenie on the Dogcast Radio site, and if your dog has a story you'd like to share with everyone, get in touch with us. The greyhound is the only breed of dog mentioned in the Bible. Proverbs 30, verses 29 to 31. Ever since I interviewed Border Collie expert Barbara Sykes and became aware of the sheepdog experience at her mainline Border Collie Centre, I've wanted to go on it. The day is an opportunity to learn about Border Collies, the way they work, their history, and to actually try out your skill at working with this clever breed. I had worried that being May, the weather might be very hot and sunny, but in the event, it was a chilly, blustery day when we arrived at the farm, but the weather didn't dampen the fun we had at all. We met an intriguing variety of Border Collie personalities, and it was refreshing to spend a few hours in the company of both Barbara and her daughter Vicky, who have such a deep knowledge and enthusiasm for the breed. Jenny and I got to do the sheepdog experience, and you can hear more about how we got on next time, as well as interviews with both Barbara and Vicky. There are photos of our day on the Dogcast Radio site, but you'll have to wait till next time to find out whether we took to the shepherding life or did those tireless dogs run rings round us. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 from the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. 
Why did the dog take a bag of oats to bed with him? To feed his nightmares. <laughs>